The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi guys, it's Jordan from the Balanced Blonde Soul on Fire podcast. On my show, we go deep on all things astrology, awakening, motherhood, channeling, healing, and so much more. A few years ago, I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease, and the healing journey I embarked on at that time set me on the path to radical awakening. Let's just say I had no choice but to change my energy, and that opened me up to the most beautiful healing of my life. On my show, you can expect to feel like you're sitting in my living room chatting with old friends. We have that bestie vibe going on. Tune in every Wednesday to connect and hang on the Balance Wand Soul on Fire. Hey, it's Mariana, and welcome back to the Life with Mariana podcast. In this week's episode, I have Chriselle Lim. She is an entrepreneur and content creator. She's got an amazing brand. She has been living on the internet for over 10 years, for over a decade. She was actually one of the first YouTubers and bloggers that I saw on the scene. She's got a new product out called Missing Person from her brand, Fleur. It's gone viral on TikTok. It's sold out everywhere. So if you guys want to hear from Chriselle, keep listening. And don't forget, I've got new episodes every Tuesday. Now let's hear from Chriselle. Okay. So a lot of times I was just telling you, I talk about interviews. They were like, when did you start? And I'm like, well, I started in 2012. Mm. And then it was like so early that being an influencer wasn't even really a word yet, but there was really only a handful of people who were doing this as a job. It was like you, Ami, Mm -hmm. Sincerely Jules. It was like, really, I could name the amount of people that it was. And you were one of them. So you really paved the way and showed me that it was possible. So when did you start your blog and YouTube, which is just funny because there was no like social then no, as part not of at it. All. Yeah, and you're right. Influencer was not a word or even a thing. Having it be a job was so new and was quite rare at the time. So I started when I was in college and I was really just bored, to be honest. Like I had all this extra time and I met a girl named Michelle Fawn, which I'm sure you're familiar with. She is and was like, the makeup guru of our generation. And she was dating now my ex, but um, she wasn't dating my ex. She was dating (laughs) his really good friend Uh at the time, which is also my ex now. And we like had a double date at the time. And she was like, yeah, I'm a makeup artist. I'm like, okay, cool. What counter do you work at? (laughs) And she's like, oh, I don't work at a counter. Because at the time there was, if you're working in makeup, you worked at a beauty counter, right? And she was like, oh, I I make videos. And I was like, what? Why? And then she showed me her videos and I still didn't really understand it. But that night I went home and I just binge watched all of her YouTube videos. And I called her the next day and I was like, I want to learn more. This is really fascinating. I've never met anyone like you. And so we met up and we got lunch together. And she was like, yeah, I could help you like make your first YouTube fashion video. And I was like, "Okay, let's do it. And that day after lunch, we actually created a video together and and it went viral immediately. And viral back then, like, you know, 500,000 views. That was a very big deal back then. And so that was kind of the start of my YouTube career, I guess. And I didn't know where it was going at the time. I just had a lot of fun with it. I didn't even plan on monetizing it at the time because there was no such thing really. But I just really enjoyed kind of the creation part being able to put looks together. I even edited my own videos too. So editing the videos, just fell in love with the whole process. And then at the time, so you started your YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. you started a blog at the same time. And I know we talked about it too, is that at the time you were either a YouTuber or you were a blogger, but there was not a lot of people who were doing both. Why did you decide to have two different platforms? Because at the time specifically, that's double the work. Yeah. 
So I did start off with YouTube. I already had a blog back then, but I never updated it. But when my YouTube started taking off, a lot of these people that were following me were like, can you put out more videos? But remember, I was the only person that was filming, editing. I was putting all the looks together and I just couldn't keep up with kind of the demand for it. So I thought in my head, oh, okay, I have this blog. I haven't really updated it. Maybe I could just like take some photos and post up some outfit photos. Because at the time, Ami was already doing that. I think she was like maybe a year ahead of me. And I, I, I was watching her. I was following her. And I was like, oh, I could probably do that for my followers on YouTube. So I immediately started posting like outfit photos. They were from like my janky little camera. Some of them are from like my Blackberry phones. <laughs> They're like so blurry. But that's how it all started. And they kind of grew together. So my audience that wanted more of me from my YouTube went to my my blog. And it all kind of simultaneously grew together at the same time. Okay, so now we're over a decade later. And you've probably created a piece of content every day mm-hmm. for over 10 years, for 12 years now, which is a lot. How have you maintained longevity in your career over this long? Because it's really hard to maintain that momentum, especially yeah. with new platforms that come out and then so many more creators that come out over the yeah. years. I, that's a really great question and something that I get asked quite often because, you know, it is hard. In the beginning, you're full of ideas and motivation and inspiration that you just can't stop and you put out so much. I remember at some point we were posting three blog posts a day, a day for like seven days a week. It was insane. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wow, how did I do that? Right. But I was just filled with ideas. Like there's so much in me that I wanted to share with the world. Not that I'm not as inspired or motivated anymore, but after doing it for about a decade, you naturally just kind of run out of those ideas and you feel like it's a little bit more repetitive, which is it comes with the territory, right? I'm sure you feel the same way as well. You're like, how many more get ready with me? How many more favorites can I share, right? But in the beginning, it's fresh and you have so much to share. So I think it's all about being able to pace yourself and not burn out. That's one thing. But also to to be nimble and be able to transition over when there's other platforms. And honestly, some people hate that there's new platforms popping up all the time. I actually love it because when I get obsessed with something, I go full in all out. And then I'm just like, okay, my 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 tank is empty now. Like I have no more to give. So when TikTok came out, I was one of the first in the fashion kind of, I guess, scene to adopt it. I was so excited about it because I was like, this is fresh. This is new. This is something I've never done before. So I think being able to transition over and also evolve is really, really important. I think for you too, you've always thought of it as a business outside of just you. So Mm -hmm. I remember when you had your office downtown, you have an entire team, which a lot of content creators, people in the digital world don't have that. A lot of people are just doing it all by themselves. So how important for you, for you, was it to invest in other people, whether it's a team to create your content or operations or video and photo? Like how did you invest in that because it's really hard to build out a team. Yeah. When I look back on it, I'm just like, wow, I spent a lot of money on my overhead as far as my office and staffing when it might have not been completely necessary, just being fully transparent. Um, But there's no regrets there because I don't think I would have been able to have the reputation that I have today, which was just being able to churn out content as fast as we did and also being able to get the attention of these kind of luxury brands because at the time I really really wanted to work with luxury brands and I couldn't 
crack that code because I was, quote unquote, kind of a mass vlogger, right? And a lot of these luxury brands, they didn't want to associate themselves with, quote unquote, bloggers. But because I had my internal team, we would go up to these shows and we got recognized as the people that would turn out the fashion show content literally within five minutes after the show, 10 minutes after the show, faster than the house in itself. And then that's when they're like, oh my God, who is this person? Like, we need to invite her to our show because she is just getting the coverage and the footage that we can't even get for our own shows and at this speed. And so that was kind of a strategy that I had of being able to get into these luxury houses. But I wouldn't have been able to do that without my team because it was completely just like me showing up and the team working on it immediately. And so I don't regret having such a big team. But now is it completely necessary? Not really, especially with the type of content that people want, which is more like selfies and organic TikToks and that kind of stuff. So we've we've scaled down quite a bit. But I think it took me this like staff to be able to get to where I wanted to be. Let's take a quick break to talk about hair. So summertime, I feel like I have all these issues with my hair in the summertime. The weather and me and my hair and like traveling, it just doesn't get along and I definitely need some extra help. So my hair can get just like really unmanageable, you know, all the time, especially with like heat styling and all the stuff that I do, but especially in like weather. So whether it's frizzy or tangled or damaged or dry, when your hair isn't cooperating, it can be so tempting to just like put it up, put it in a ponytail or a bun, call it a day. But putting up your hair doesn't solve the problem. It just hides it. So break your hair from that ponytail uh, routine and treat it to some much needed TLC with the leave-in conditioner from Way. This is a multitasking powerhouse that really does it all. It hydrates, detangles, fights frizz, and even acts as a heat protectant. So trust me, your hair will thank you. I love Way's products. I like that I can just like use them all together. They all smell really good. And on top of all that, they just actually work. So I have all these hair care concerns, whether my hair is dry or frizzy or there's heat damage or I'm just trying to protect it. These are the products that I really want to use. So for me, after I wash my hair and get out of the shower, applying this to my hair really does make such a big difference between like frizziness and flyaways and especially before styling. If you want protection from heat, dryness, and frizz, the way to healthier hair is Way's best-selling leave-in conditioner. So say goodbye to frizz, tangles, flyaways, and breakage for all hair types. It protects hair from heat up to 450 degrees and it's also color safe and cruelty free. Discover a new way of life with the leave-in conditioner from Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use code Mariana15 to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire order at T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, code Mariana15. Now that you're 12 years in and mm-hmm. you've learned from those lessons, what does your team look like now on the content creation side? Mm-hmm. On the content creation side, it's just myself who usually thinks of the ideas And I always pride myself as like the ideas always come from me. So the ideation comes from me. And then Monica from my team, she helps me film. If it's not like a simple TikTok, if it's a little bit more elaborate, she films and edits. And then she also helps me push it out. So that's Monica on my video side, video slash like photo side. We have a photographer, Carla, and then Laura, who has been with me for like 13 years now. She handles and manages kind of all the deal flow since we have a lot of kind of sponsorships and partners that we work with. And then Lauren, who is my business partner. People always ask, why do you have a business partner for what you do? But it allows me to do a lot more because I have someone who's overlooking kind of the general idea of where the business is going from the finances, to the staffing, to the hiring, to the firing, to all of that. So I don't have to worry about any of that except for just showing up and being creative. So for all my businesses, I do have a business partner. 
And then I have Jessica, who's my personal assistant. It's a pretty good team. We have a lot of people. Yeah. So we have, I think we're, we're five. We're five. That's a good amount because I think each of these jobs and then you have other jobs and businesses outside of that. But before we get into like more of the business things, you said a little bit earlier about how you started to pivot your content a little bit because you really wanted to work with luxury fashion brands. Mm -hmm. And there's so many influencers who look up to you and they want to work with the amazing brands that you work with. Mm -hmm. How did you start shifting your content to get you know, the attention of the Louis Vuittons and Dior's and yeah. Chanel's. Yeah. I mean, it's it's probably a little different now because I feel like the brands want to be cooler and they want to be have a little bit more street cred and be in with the Gen Z TikTokers. So there's a lot more room now for people to be able to work with them and opportunities, really. But back then, there really wasn't any room. So I had to really kind of pivot my branding to look like theirs. And so... Whenever I went to Fashion Week, I would create my content to almost mimic theirs, like to make it look on brand for Louis Vuitton or to make it look on brand for Chanel. Because then these kind of people within the houses, they're like, oh, she's an LV girl or she's a Chanel girl. She's totally on brand, even if it wasn't necessarily my style. But that's how it was before. Now it's completely different. They want people to mix and match. They want like even when I go to a Chanel show, they're like, you don't have to wear a full Chanel look. They're always like, you can mix it and match it with like your jeans and sneakers, right? But before it wasn't like that. So I had to pivot it to show them that I could be that type of person. And it worked at the time. And then I think people don't realize that fashion weeks are an investment for you. Mm-hmm. Like You are spending a lot of money to go there, hotel, the looks. It's not like everyone's paying you for all the shows to attend. It's not that at all. Oh, girl, <laughs> you, you know how it is. Like, in the early days, especially, you are going out of pocket. You are going broke from Fashion Week, <laughs> especially as a content creator. No one's going to pay you to fly you out to Paris Fashion Week, especially if they know that the biggest creators, the biggest celebrities are going to be there anyway. So I quickly understood that. And so, you know, I started Paris Fashion Week maybe about, I think it's been about like eight years now. But we were going out of pocket for a very, very long time. We would come out of those trips negative, right? But it was worth it because with Paris, you have to be a consistent goer for people to recognize for these houses, these PR companies to understand that you will always be there and they will start inviting you out. And then from there, brand deals will come once they realize that you're there. And so you kind of have to make that investment first. And I always tell people, you know, don't, be afraid to make the first move. I, Ami and I actually, we rented out an Airbnb with her ex-boyfriend at the time. We didn't have any money. So we actually made him book it for us. <laughs> and we stayed, we all stayed at this Airbnb together. And she got invited to one show. I think I got invited to another show. We kind of crashed each other's shows. And that's how it all began for us. But we booked our own ticket. We booked our own Airbnb all of that. And something I'm hearing that's like common for you now is like whether it's your team or your content or fashion weeks is that you are willing to make the investment. And I know that's really difficult for people. So how do you get comfortable with spending money and investing on something for your business if maybe you're not totally sure what the return is yet? Yeah. And I think that's anything in life. You don't really know what the ROI is going to be, especially in the early days of building a company or your business or, you know, flying out to Paris Fashion Week. I think first of all, you have to make a smart financial decision. So you have to kind of prepare for it, at least have some money saved up 
to be able to book a trip like that and to be out there for a full week. I always say, if you're going to be in Paris, you might as well be there for the full week. So you get more opportunities to meet people because it's all about networking there. So I think it's really important to have some cash saved up um, so you're not going bankrupt with your company. But you have to be patient, I have to say. Like it doesn't happen overnight. Every season gets better and you will see. I think it was like my third year of doing Paris Fashion Week where I finally booked a deal in Paris. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, this one deal kind of paid for all the three years that I've been spending money to go to Paris. And it was all worth it, right? But it took me that three-year mark. It's probably a little faster now because there's so much more room for micro-influencers, so much more room for all sorts of people to get opportunities. But it took me about three years. Wow. That's a long time though. You're yeah. patient. <laughs> but, but also I loved it. You know, yeah. I think that's the number one thing is that I see some girls that… And I used to be one of these girls, but I quickly learned that I can't live without fashion. A lot of people complain about fashion. We're like, oh, I'm so exhausted. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And I'm thinking, then why do it? Mm-hmm. You know, no one's forcing you to do it. You have to truly love it because it is a grind. And if you don't love that grind, even though I'm tired and I'm so exhausted, if I don't do it, I feel weird, right? Because I love it so much. And so I think that's the number one rule is that you have to love it. Okay, so for girls or guys, anyone listening that wants to aspire to go to these fashion weeks, any tips for them of what content they should kind of start posting now ahead of fashion weeks to maybe get on brands radars? Yeah, well, brands love UGC. They love any organic user engagement. So and that's how I started really is that no one would. I mean, this is this is TMI, but no one would lend me clothes at the time. So and I couldn't I definitely could not afford a full Chanel look or a full Balmain look. So I would buy and return not suggesting that you guys do that. But that's what I did at the time. And I would tag the brands and they would repost it. It would get the attention of other people's PRs. They'll be like, oh, this girl's really chic. Maybe we should invite her out to our next show. And when one show, one brand invites you, then it's just like a domino effect because it's such a small circle. And all the PR people that run fashion during, you know, in Paris, they all jump around to different houses. And so one person that was at Gucci or at Endure is now at Chanel and blah, blah, blah. And so that's how I started. I literally just started tagging people uh, with UGC. And I still see girls do that. And I was watching some TikTokers this morning. I was a part of this like Louis Vuitton activation for their new purse. And I saw these really, really, really young TikTokers also Getting the same bag. The same bag. I saw the same video. I think I know you're talking about. Yes. And I was like, wow. The LV twist. The LV twist. It's a really cute bag. I love mine, but I have it here with me right now. (laughs) But it's come so like brands have come such a long ways. They want that organic content. They want that non-fashion-y like, you know, perfect content that we all are so used to. Mm -hmm. They want that realness. That's why I think they're hitting up these TikTokers, right? These TikTokers are literally selling these bags and these fragrances and these beauty products out, as you know. Yes. You know? Let's take a quick break because 4th of July is almost here. I'm so excited for this time of year. I feel like it just makes it feel like officially summer, even though it's felt like summer for me for a little while. So whether you're hosting a 4th of July bash or bringing your best potato salad to someone else's, Macy's has everything you need to make that get together the best on the block. They've got outdoor dinnerware in really fun translucent colors. 
There's also barbecue tools to keep the burgers coming and the outdoor furniture to seat the whole crew. Plus, don't forget to pick up some fun in the sun essentials like swimsuits for the whole family, sunscreen, and so much more. I love this outdoor set by 30 Stone. If you're into like a pink and green color combination, I think it's so cute for summer. They've got a poolside posh barware and serveware collection. There's everything from an ice bucket to little cups and like ice shakers. It's so, so cute. There's also really great outdoor salad kits. So if you want to make a salad and have it outdoors with like some little snacks, the seller makes a wood collection. And it's created for Macy's. I also love a margarita all year long and whether it's a virgin margarita or one with some tequila, they've got a Margaritaville frozen concoction maker. It says with no brainer mixer and easy pour jar so you guys can have really amazing blended frozen margaritas on tap. In the summer, I absolutely need a really good pair of sunglasses. There's a unisex pair from Gucci that I really like. There's also really great Gucci sunglasses on here and there's some from Prada and Ray-Ban and Bulgari. There's so many to choose from and I love these pink sparkly ones from Yumu. So find this and more for all of your 4th of July and summer festivities. Head over to Macy's.com to shop these. So I want to talk about TikTok now because you were an early adopter mm-hmm. on TikTok before a lot of people were on there and you were like on it with the content. Like at Fashion Week, I remember, I think it was probably February of 2020, you were mm-hmm. already posting a lot of fashion videos on there. So... For people who are hesitant to get onto a new platform when it first comes out, like how do you get comfortable with creating that new type of content? Because you had been creating video content before, but this was really different. Yeah, it was really uncomfortable in the beginning because for those of you that follow me on TikTok, I'm known as Rich Mom. And so it's this satire kind of uh, persona that I created with my followers for my Gen Z audience. And so it's a little bit of acting. It's a little bit of, it's a lot of satire. It's humorous. It's everything that you think of who I am on Instagram, but the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was very uncomfortable at first. But for me, it was a little different because it happened during COVID, right? And I saw that a lot of these kids that were following me on TikTok really needed help and advice. So they viewed Rich Mom, which is me on TikTok, as like their mom, So they would ask me questions like, mom, I have like this date. What am I supposed to wear? I want to look expensive, but I have no money. Like, what do I do? And because I was also bored during that time and I was also going through my divorce, it was like a hard time for me. It was a really hard time for me. I felt like I wanted to help other people out. So through this kind of fake persona that I created on TikTok, I was acting like these kids' mom and I was just helping them with like kind of outfit ideas, how to look rich on a budget, what to say in an interview, like all these random things. And it just really took off during COVID. And I was still a little embarrassed about the content because (laughs) I was hoping that all my Instagram followers wouldn't find me on TikTok. They eventually did. But I still keep it separate because I feel like it's still a separate audience. It's It's really different. So how do you decide what type of content lives on what platform? And because there's stories, reels, feed, Mm -hmm. photo, video, like do you like repurpose things on different places or does each kind of content get something unique? Yeah, so I quickly realized that all my Reels content does not perform well on TikTok at all. And so I don't post any of that. And if I do, I will put a funny voice over it or I will put a really weird song around it or I'll do a voiceover that is absolutely ridiculous because that is what the TikTok audience wants. For TikTok, I try to keep it in the lane of being a bit more humorous because that's what people know me for. And then on Reels, the interesting about Reels, I feel like Instagram has changed so much is that they're so desperate to get that that video content. So I could actually post up my TikToks 
on reels and it'll still perform very, very well. But not vice versa. But not vice versa. Mm-hmm. But I still don't post my TikTok on reels because for me, my Instagram is more of my brand portfolio, mm-hmm. right? It's more about when people land on my page, they know who I am, what I do. It's my resume, right? And so if they want to find the humorous side and my content, they'll just go to my TikTok. But they usually won't find that on my Instagram. So I want to talk about engaging content now yeah. because we were just saying like one does well on the other, one doesn't do well here. Do you have a pretty good idea of what you think will perform well on each platform? I do. Actually, yeah, I know exactly what performs well. Okay. Now, do I do that exact formula? No, because I think content creators should also not live by these rules, right? Because if you're continuously only doing things that will bring you engagement, then you will no longer be inspired by your own content. So I always tell people, do like do like 60-40, like 60% what you know what will work and 40% do whatever the F you want. Like whatever that brings you joy, excitement, even if no one cares about it, that is what's going to help you have the longevity in your career to continue to create, right? So I do a little bit of both, but I know exactly what works on TikTok and Instagram for me. I think that happened with people on TikTok too because they were chasing virality and it nest- it wasn't even like what they wanted to be posting, but they're like, oh, if I start with this hook, yeah. it will go viral, but it's not even the content you want to create. And I think long-term, if you want to do this for a long time, that's not what you want to be like no. into this trap of like the most likes and views and comments. No, and that's why you've seen a lot, like the content creator burnout is real and you've seen it more so on TikTok this past year, like the my favorite TikTok creators don't really create anymore because one, they're just they're just so used to creating viral videos and they're not getting as much virality anymore that they kind of stop creating. But for me now, and I was there too. I was at a point where I was posting up rich mom content. Every single video was going viral. And then I wanted to create some other stuff and I started posting those and those were not getting as much views. So I kind of stopped. But now I'm at a place where I'm like, I shouldn't really care. As a content creator, my responsibility is to do this long term and to be able to create content that feeds my soul as well, not just everyone else's. And so I kind of post whatever I want, knowing what the algorithm likes and working with the algorithm. I'll do at least like a few of those a week as well. And you were saying that your Instagram is like your brand portfolio for yourself, your resume. It's not that we don't care about engagement, but you're like, okay, this is part of my brand vision. I don't mind posting this if I know it won't do well, if it's like the overall purpose is for whatever reason. Yeah. So we have to be okay with that and comfortable with that. Yeah, I think so. Because at the end of the day, and also I've talked to my managers and my manager said, it's funny because brands now sadly don't expect performance on Instagram anymore. It's almost like you post up a photo and like if the engagement's low, it doesn't really matter to them either. So why should we care so much? Yeah. Right. I think we get so obsessed with numbers and likes and just the engagement that we forget that this is our life that we're putting out there. And so I should if I want to post up other things besides the perfectly curated content, then I should be able to do that. And I think you've also changed your own content as you've gone through things like personally. So yeah. w- how do you have boundaries now around what you choose to share and not share? Because we know like the insta debate of the things that will get a lot of likes and views and comments. But now I think you're like a little bit more reserved with yeah. what you want to be open with. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, I went through a divorce about a little over a year ago. And before that, I I didn't really have boundaries. I posted anything and everything, you know. I posted my kids. I posted my partner. I posted what I ate. I posted our house. I posted my car. I literally posted everything. But I started 
my career off in college. And that's how I created my following is they were a part of my life, right? They're a part of this journey that I was going on. And it was once I was going through the separation, when I realized that nothing is private property to me anymore, everything that I own, the public thinks that it's theirs as well. And that is a trade-off that you get as a content creator that you don't realize until you lose it, right? And so for a few months, I decided that I was not going to post my kids at all, like at all. I was like, my kids, I just don't want to post them. And the amount of DMs and comments that I got from people being like, you don't love your kids, your ex loves them more, that are like, they were just, they felt so offended that I was not allowing them to see my kids. And even though I was really annoyed, I knew that that was my fault because I put myself in the situation where I made them feel like that they were part of my kids' lives. And all of a sudden, I'm taking that away from them. And so it took me about a year for them to understand that that is not, no longer going to be the case anymore. I will show my kids here and there, maybe once every two, three months. Um, but that's a treat. That's not like something that you should expect, right? And so I think the boundaries are very, very clear now. But I didn't really understand that before. So now I really focus on my craft and my art, which is being a content creator, which is creating beautiful outfits, outfits that I'm excited to wear, outfits that I want people to feel inspired by. And that's how I actually really started, right? Was putting outfits together. But along the way, life happens and you just want to show more and more and more to the point where there were no more boundaries anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I think I have a good grasp on my life now again. You know, I do show little things here and there. Like I'll show my parents once in a while. But for the most part, I feel like you're really good at it as well. Yeah, I think because we've been just doing it so long that I'm like, if there's no boundaries, then everything becomes work. Yeah. And I can't have my entire life feel like work. So I do need to have like time off, whether it's on the weekends or some things that I choose to just keep to myself. And also like, I feel like learning from you, it's like you went through this thing and maybe you were trying to figure it out yourself and you weren't ready to share that you were going through a divorce yet. But then yeah. people started to feel like, you're not posting him anymore. What's yeah. going on? And you're just not even ready to share. And so I think that becomes really difficult to yeah. seeing like the phases of what's going on with so many of my friends and their lives. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, going back to the question, the original question, which was longevity, right? Like, how do you have longevity in this field when essentially it's your entire life? And the answer to that is boundaries, like absolutely boundaries. And I didn't understand that until this past year and I think also that speaks to your career and how you've been able to be so successful with your brand and also as an influencer as well is because you draw those strong boundaries. Sometimes you want to show more. Yeah, probably. But you have to draw that boundary somewhere. Yeah. And I have definitely learned that this year and not saying that I will ever not show, you know, another relationship I get into ever again, who God knows like if I ever do. Right. But I think I'll be a lot smarter and more calculative about yeah. it. Okay, I have to tell you guys about one of my favorite condiments that I like to have at home. I use this on everything and I found it a few years ago. I'd found it on Instagram and I love the packaging, which like, 
definitely like sucked me in, but then I tried it and it tastes so delicious. I am like a semi homemade cook. So I like to like buy something and then like spice it up at home or add different like sauces or whatever I want to make it even better. So if you are feeling like me and you're making like chicken and veggies the same way and you want it to feel a little bit more elevated, it's time to spice it up with fly by Jing sauces. So the first product that I tried from them is the spicy chili crisp. And it is amazing literally on almost anything that you could think of. You guys definitely have to taste this if you love a little bit of spice. So these are so great for all your recipes and meals. And I like to really have this with salmon. So I think it is so delicious with salmon. It's amazing with eggs. They also have really unusual pairings. So if you guys haven't thought about this, you can even try it on ice cream and watermelon and cocktails. I love it. So Fly by Jing is the first modern Chinese food company in America and has put spicy chili crisp on the map. It's so versatile and delicious. It's this Chinese hot sauce that's taking the US by storm. It is the quickest and easiest way to bring that restaurant quality flavor to your home and spice things up no matter what you're eating. So if you are ready to step up your game and elevate your favorite recipes, get 15% off your entire order at flybyjing.com slash Mariana or use code Mariana at checkout. That's F-L-Y-B-Y-J-I-N-G.com slash Mariana for 15% off your first order. You can also find Fly by Jing in over 2,500 locations across the country, including Costco, Whole Foods, Target, and Wegmans. Thank you, Fly by Jing. So I want to get into another big change that you had in your life in the last year, which was your new brand. Yeah. And I love it. And I'm actually wearing one of the fragrances right now, the apricot one. It smells mm. so good. So I know we talked about TikTok a lot too. So the brand launches, you come out with Missing Person. It had this story all around it. It goes viral. It sells out. Tell yeah. us a little bit about everything, the brand, <laughs> how this happened. So I met my business partner, Ben, a while ago, but he hit me up when I was in the middle of my divorce. And he was like, Chriselle, I want to acquire this brand called Fleur, but I want to acquire it with you. I think you would be the perfect person. And at the time, I was in the thick of my divorce. And I was like, I don't know if this is the right time, Ben. Like, I, I don't even consider myself as a fragrance girl. Like, I love fragrances. I wear fragrances all the time. But I'm more of a fashion girl than a fragrance girl. And he's like, yes, exactly. I believe that you would be perfect because I believe fashion and fragrance go hand in hand. You're creating a look. You're creating a moment. And so as he was telling me the story about Fleur, he was saying how Fleur was a beautiful brand, which I was already familiar with. It, um, they really got on the market to be known as like one of the first to be very transparent with their ingredients as a clean brand. And he said, but they are going into their second iteration, their second chapter of their life. And I want to acquire it. And I want to create something new, a new journey. And I just couldn't help but think, wow, that that is who I am. That is me. Fleur is me. I'm going into the second chapter of my life. And I don't know where it's going to take me, but I'm open. And so I just felt a, a deep connection with Fleur at where Fleur was at in its it, kind of stage in its life. And so I said, why not? Well, what's there to lose? And so I jumped on board. I already knew the brand. I was very, very much familiar with Ameline because I actually wore Ameline before. That was my first introduction to Fleur. And then so we started creating these scents together and we we're just talking about stories, right? For me, I believe in storytelling and everything that I do, right? Visually, whether it be podcasting, fashion, you're always telling some sort of story in your life. And so as I was telling my story, we developed Missing Person because missing person really was the embodiment of where I was in my life at the time when I was developing it. The hardest feeling for me was waking up to an empty bed. I was with this guy for 15 years. 
married for eight with this guy for almost 15 years. And all of a sudden waking up alone, right? And I just felt like this emptiness, like this kind of, I just wanted to like curl up somewhere. And so I was like, can we bottle that up? Like, can we create that? And so with the perfumer, we started playing around with like different scents and we came up with missing person. And it is a smell of nostalgia. It is a smell of not necessarily your lover, but it's it's the lingering scent that is left by someone that you, you do familiar. Love, that's familiar. So a lot of people, even though that was created for me for an ex-lover, a lot of people were like, oh, this reminds me of my grandma or this reminds me of my mom that passed away or this reminds me of my sister that went to college. And there was no intention for me to do that. This was purely created because I had this void in my life. And that's how it went viral on TikTok. People all of a sudden started using missing person as almost like a therapy session. They were sharing their stories of their void in their lives. People were crying, smelling it. They're opening it up and saying like how it's healed them and it's helped them. And that was that was the very first fragrance to Fleur. And I just couldn't have imagined a more perfect introduction to to Fleur to the world. Well, it's amazing. It smells so good. So for people that haven't smelled it yet, if you could even buy it somewhere, how would you describe the notes or what it smells like? Yeah, I mean, everyone that wears it has a different experience with it because it is a skin musk. Skin musks, they develop on different skins differently. So some people say that it's really creamy. There's van- vanilla tonka in it. So that means their, I guess, skin chemistry is getting the vanilla tonka a bit more. There's sandalwood. There's also the skin musk part, which is actually probably what people are smelling initially. And it's like that clean, that clean scent that is very nostalgic. So it's almost like some people even say that it smells like fresh laundry sometimes or like a warm bath because it just smells like skin. I love it. Yeah. And there's cardamom. There's I think it's a mixture of sweet, milky, musky, but it really depends on your skin. It almost smells unisex too. It's unisex, yeah. yeah. A lot of men have been loving it as well. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, so you're busy. So you've got the podcast, blog, YouTube, like TikTok, social media, and Bumo, which we didn't even talk about Bumo. Yeah. It's like another business of yours. How do you split your time between all these things? How do you do it all? Yeah. So oh, and two kids. <laughs> that too. Well, I think scheduling was one of the hardest things that I like we had to figure out with the team um, before, especially during the pandemic, we'll be like, whatever slot is available, we'll just like schedule in a meeting for every slot. And that was driving me crazy. Like I literally thought my my brain was going to explode at the end of the day because I was going back and forth from different businesses, being creative to business to creative to business. And then we're like, OK, we can't do that anymore. And so now we have a day dedicated for every part of my business or businesses. So, for example, Mondays are usually my like podcasting days. So I'm usually here podcasting and we just try to bring it all out. Um, Tuesdays are usually my content days. So any sponsorships, anything that I need to shoot, we'll bring in my photographer, videographer. We'll get all the TikTok content. Look, it's not ideal to have to, as a creative, to work and batch out content in advance because I think as a creative you should have more room to be able to think about things and then do things that feel more natural. But, you know, naturally with more businesses, you kind of have to split up your time. 
Wednesdays is my floor days. I'm at the office, at the floor office all day. Thursdays are my Bumo days. So I'm usually at the Bumo office all day on Thursday. And batching out my, my week that way has allowed me to really focus on one thing at a time versus three or four things at a time. And the business suffers that way, right? And so usually uh, all my businesses get one full day with me. It's not ideal because yeah. I would love to spend more time on each, but that's just kind of the life I chose to do so many different things. I do the same thing. It's really helpful because then you're not switching your mind between one business or the other. So like your mind each day just knows like today is like my creative day or today is like my calls and meetings days. And like, I think it's so much easier for my schedule too, because then everybody knows, okay, like Mariana needs the things. It's going to be on Wednesday and it's just easier for everybody else. And then what do you do when you travel? Because you travel a lot for work. Yeah. I mean, travel is new because we had the pandemic for two years and we were not traveling. So within the last, I guess, three, four months, it's been crazy with travel. That's been challenging, right? Because it throws everything off uh, the usual schedule, of course. But, you know, it's it comes with a job and we figure it out. I try to treat my travel days just as if I'm working on those specific businesses. So let's say that I'm traveling on a Wednesday, which is usually a floor day. I try to still jump on all the calls with them. If not, they'll dial me in at the end of the day to update me. I try to do all my floor emails that day. So I'm still kind of on track. It doesn't necessarily work out that way all the time, especially with the time zone differences. But I try to stick with it as much as I can. Fashion week is a whole different ballgame. Nothing goes according to plan. Yeah, that's a really great Yeah. Time. So for everyone knows, like during September, October, I'm just like not available. Yeah. And we don't put anything in the calendar. You do New York and Paris. Do you do any of the other cities? Uh, I do New York and Paris. I did Milan last season. I actually really like Milan a lot. So mm-hmm. I'll probably do Milan as well. So. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I have a couple rapid questions to ask you yeah. for the end. So if someone's starting with Fleur for the first time, what fragrance should they try? Oh, gosh, that's a hard one. That's not fair either. (laughs) I know. Um, So I would say if you're simple, you like clean scents, missing person for sure. Although you can't get that anywhere. We will be having (laughs) a big drop. I I don't know when this is going to air, but we will have a big drop in June sometime. If you're into the sweeter side, but with a bit of like spiciness, I would say not your baby. My manager... She is a not your like she wears not your baby all the time, and there's like some sort of like sexiness to it. Apricot Privé is my go-to. That's it's, what I'm wearing today. Yay! Mm-hmm. It's our latest one, but it's there's something really rich about it, which I love. It reminds me of Paris a little bit. It, there's like some some sort of like wood leatheriness to it, but it's also still sweet because it mm-hmm. does have the apricots in it. But it's like elevated. It doesn't smell like sweet. Like some sweet perfumes smell like youthful, like too young. Yeah. But it smells like like sexy mature it's mature that's what Mm -hmm. it is but not old mature no it's mature in all the right ways where you feel elevated you feel rich Mm -hmm. you feel like a rich yeah (laughs) exactly um favorite social media platform to create or to consume consume tiktok for sure i love tiktok favorite skincare product currently oh i have to say i'm not saying (laughs) i just tried out the uh the spf yeah uh what is it called shade drops shade drops so good. Thank you. I have to say that is probably on my top list Ooh. now for SPFs. There is this new cushion foundation I've been wearing uh, from Claudia Pope. I work with Claudia Pope, by the way, a lot. So just so you guys know, but I haven't been obsessed with skin makeup in a long time. I don't know. It's because I wear a lot of makeup and so nothing really does the job anymore. But this cushion foundation, it's in between a cushion compact like those BB creams, but also not as thick as a foundation. 
and it's in like a little mm-hmm. like pouch. So it makes it easy. Oh, I'm going to try that one. Current favorite fashion bag. Well, I have the LV twist right now, which I've been wearing for the past like five days. But fashion bag. Oh, I have to say my big Chanel bag. I love that bag. Like the shopping bag. Yes. Looking tote. It's but so good. But there's so much hate around it. Really? I yeah. love it. I, there's so many TikToks around influencers talking about this bag and how it literally looks like a garbage bag. I'm like, I kind of see it, but I love it so much. I love it because I feel like you could just put so much stuff in it and carry it around, but it looks great. Yes. Do you have it, the small size or the bigger size? I had the bigger size. So I I went to the pool yesterday. I packed four towels in there. I packed lunch. I had my laptop. I had a book. I had sh- kids' shoes. It fits everything. Oh my God. You need to do what's in my bag yeah. and like pull everything out. Pool edition. Kid pool edition. Um, okay. Since you're a busy woman, what is the next vacation you want to take? Well, definitely the summer sometimes. So because I am divorced, I have the kids for one week and then I don't have kids for one week. So it really depends on which week we're talking about. So Let's do a week without the kids. Without the kids. I would love to do just like Tuscany or something or... Lake Como. I still haven't been to Lake Como. It's nice. Yeah. It's a little quiet. Quiet. But yeah. do I want to be there when I'm single? Probably not. No. Okay. I think you should like go romantic. somewhere like maybe like Saint-Tropez or… Okay, Saint-Tropez or Ibiza. Yeah. That. There you go. That, I, I feel like okay. there's some people who you could definitely recruit to go with you to there. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you guys are listening and you, you want to like party wanna, with me. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> amazing. Well, where can everyone follow you, find you, find your businesses? Um, You can find me on Instagram at Lim. And you can find my brand Fleur at P-H-L-U-R on Instagram or just Fleur.com. Amazing. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mariana. Thanks so much for listening. And be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me. And follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next. <laughs>